0: Bloody Elbow presents the MMA Vivisection, the show that gives you a comprehensive breakdown and expert analysis of all the fights happening on this week's UFC prelims card. Paid Bloody Elbow Podcast Substack subscribers will hear bonus content, if available, at the end of the broadcast. Be sure to subscribe at bloodyelbow.substack.com for our newsletter, and at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com for our podcast network. Follow us on Twitter at Elbow. Facebook at Facebook.com slash BloodyElbowBlog. And as always, on BloodyElbow.com. Thanks for listening. Here are your hosts, Bloody Elbow Fight Analysts, Zane Simon and Connor Rebush.
1: Hey everybody, welcome back to the MMA Vivi section with me, Zane Simon, and my co-host, as always, Connor Rebush. I feel like I should like slow it down each time. Mm-hmm.
2: Just like I'm just I waiting I for a long enough pause for me to be co- able to throw a... Host, <laughs> as always. That's a great intro. That would be really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I really grab the listeners by the ears. Yeah, yeah. So that's gonna... me. <laughs> that's what I was gonna do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's um, right, Zane.
1: That's right. We had, we really got to get the soundboard in here with like the Ooh, like fart noise and the like car horn and uh-huh. the
2: explosion stuff. And my co-host, Connor Rebush. Yeah. Yeah. That would be good. Yeah. <laughs> Get on the <laughs> space laser sounds. All yeah. the sounds that would come on like one of those, uh, you know, toys that took five cents to produce in yeah. China for children. <laughs> yeah.
1: We're we're turning this into a call-in show, folks.
2: That's right. The MMA vivisection tchotchke hour.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. But we're here talking about this UFC on ABC, Rosenstroke versus Almeida, UFC Charlotte prelim card at the moment, headliner between heavyweights, you know, Rosenstroke, and Jailton Almeida, and a featured prelim. And it is indeed a featured prelim. Credit to this card for that. Like I say, I think they actually tried to put together a fun card.
2: Yeah they really just like to complain. You know, last week's pay-per-view, it was like, frankly, looking back, a pretty solid pay-per-view, like a pretty fun night of fights, and then just like that one stinker just somehow ruins it all. Yeah. And then you look at this, and it's like, yeah, the main event sucks. Who cares about the co-main? But it's... The, the undercard is actually fine. Yeah, it is. It is. It's and it's not bad. It's not bad.
1: And our featured prelim, Matt Brown, Court McGee, yeah, two... Old road dogs at the end of their career. Two dudes that it's hard to believe they had they haven't fought twice already.
2: Honestly, yeah. And, two dudes who I believe have uh, technically died uh, on hospital room tables in their lives. This is true as well. Right, a Two, two, two recovering heroin addicts, I think. Mm-hmm. Two guys with some interesting life stories. Yeah, and a lot of perseverance. Mm-hmm it's it's
1: fascinating too because there are also two fighters who have had very limited games over their entire careers that have mm-hmm. largely remained unchanged. Yeah. But just built really comfortably into those games for year after year after year. Yeah. So they were always interesting and dangerous and relevant. You know, it's they're very much they are prototypes of how fighters tend to actually evolve. If you want to look at how a fighter evolves, look at Court McGee. Because you go back 10 years with Court McGee, and you're like, oh man, here's a high-energy guy with some good takedowns who could really use better grappling and boxing. If he just, you know, grew a jiu-jitsu game and learned to box, Mm -hmm. Court McGee could be like, you know borderline contender or something, you know, just the way fans think. Right. And what really happened is that court McGee stayed a cardio machine. He stayed high output. He worked on keeping his hands, keeping his striking busy and on pressure and on staying confident. And, on a grappling game, largely based on controlling people on the mat and keeping that work rate up. And he just mm-hmm. leaned into the things he was good at. A lot of losses in there, some good wins in there, but it's just always kind of, you know, it's stuck to the same things. And the confidence just grew in the things that he did well.
2: Same basic architecture, yeah. He did definitely improve his boxing mechanics sure. yeah, quite a bit. Um, so that, you know, there's always like some like fine grain kind of improvements for these guys for mm-hmm. Matt Brown. Probably that would be his jujitsu. Yeah. Yeah. Jitsu
1: like, game improved a lot over the years.
2: Yeah. Just the, just the sort of like control and efficiency of his, of his submission grappling was probably his little, uh, nitty gritty improvement area. He's basically the same Muay Thai, uh, power punching, Uh, clinch machine he always was on the feet yep Uh, not a lot has changed there at all really Um, yeah I mean a perfectly sensible matchup for two old guys who have in uh, very recent times been uh, crushed by (laughs) just like younger more athletic uh, monsters Yeah. for Court McGee was that fight with uh, the always comical Jeremiah Wells yeah um matt brown has had a different sort of array of people beating him in fact it's been like other crusty old dudes who have beaten him in his last two fights mm-hmm. the real like old man loss was the one to miguel miguel baeza where he was yeah completely winning um and then just he's old he gets tired fast now Yep. Uh, he was always a guy who got tired fast, but he used to be one of those like dominant cruise types. Like you would see him gasping for breath and he would just keep pushing through it. Yeah. Now he gets tired and he slows down and he can't keep up the same pace anymore.
1: Yep. Which um, kind of, uh, is, you know, tips your hand, right?
2: Yeah. It does feel like a bad sign against court McGee. I mean, the thing is though, that like Matt Brown is still a very, very dangerous striker. Sure. Um, he has always had very heavy hands. He has always he's had a a rhythm to his striking that is difficult to read.
1: Uh-huh.
2: Uh, certainly, he's capable of throwing and has thrown and knocked people out with the exact lunging left hook that Jeremiah Wells caught Court McGee with.
1: Absolutely,
2: that's very reminiscent of the of the punch that uh, Brown knocked out um, Mike Swick with. Hmm. Uh-huh. Um. I know that yeah, was eight.
1: That is like that iconic image of Matt Brown. If you just picture Matt Brown in your head, yeah. There's that image of you see the camera, it's the over-the-cage camera looking right down at him as he lunges forward with the left hand, yeah. just yeah. totally stretched out, ex- oh, extended all the way to the max.
2: Yeah. So if uh if Matt Brown's like endurance uh has taken a hit. Then I think um, Court McGee's durability seems to have taken a hit. Court McGee also was always, for, for as high output as he was, was always a pretty slow fighter, mm-hmm. and he has only gotten slower. Uh, what has really spared him from, from spared him from paying for that more often has been the fact that, yeah, he's put together a solid a solid boxing game, but. You, you can just put him out of position by just doing things too aggressively and too quickly for him. And he will just, he just like stumbled backwards when well caught him with a left hook. Wasn't because he got hit. It's because he was trying not to get hit with the preceding punch and Wells timed it when he was like throwing a kick. And so his feet weren't in position and just the whole laborious process of resetting himself and getting his balance back. The big window for Wells to hit him. Brown is going to have that window too. Sure. Um yeah,
1: I don't Let's... know. Th- I don't know how much I would take off of Court McGee's durability just for that, though.
2: No, no, Wells fair is a shockingly Wells powerful is a, and is a fast master. fighter. Yeah, and it's not like he had never been knocked out before. Um, I think it was Ponzinibbio who caught him back in the day.
1: Yeah, it's his only other knockout before, but yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. But I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, I guess I'll take Court McGee just because
1: there's he's... one round of chance. For
2: exactly. Brown. Yeah. And and Brown is still a very exciting and interesting striker, like um, even getting old. He, he's he's still going to find those opportunities. But if he can't put Court McGee away, he's going to be dealing with a pace and a grinding style that just seems like antithetical to, to the man Matt Brown is now yeah right it's that's anathema is the word i was looking for yeah just grinding away both with striking and wrestling sapping your energy just making you deal with shit the whole time um yeah, yeah I, I guess I'll take Court McGee.
1: I think I just have to lean McGee. Like, sure, Matt Brown could knock him out in the first round, or right? you know, he, Matt Brown has finished people in the second round. He finished Diego Lima in the second round. He mm-hmm. finished Ben Saunders in the second round. Mm-hmm. It is possible, but in his other fights, and you know. The the thing with McGee is, is that McGee will, will go out and try to push the pace on Matt Brown. Yeah. You know, it is what McGee does best. And in ways that Diego Lima and Ben Saunders would not necessarily. They were, you know, maybe more content to just...
2: 100%, yeah.
1: Uh so yeah, like I just can't look at you know fights like the Barbarana fight, and the Condit fight, and the Baeza fight, and things like that where Brown he starts hot and then he fades and think oh Court McGee will fade with him. So right, I gotta take McGee to to get the decision here. Brown is still dangerous. McGee is hurtable, but like Brown doesn't have the speed that Jeremiah Wells has right now.
2: It's true. He's got and reach. He's got reach that. Uh, he's got Willis reach. Have.
1: Yeah, got reach. But
2: he's got weirdly long arms, Matt Brown.
1: Yeah. So, I I just have to, as a knee jerk, pick McGee. And if he gets knocked out, will I be surprised? No. But I will. Well, be... they they
2: are weirdly long. Six foot tall and seventy six inch wingspan. Yeah. Arms are four inches longer from fingertip to fingertip than he is tall.
1: Yeah. So
2: but Yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I agree.
1: Yeah, it, it's just one of those. You know, nobody's going to be that shocked if Matt Brown knocks out Court McGee, but I will be extremely unshocked if Court McGee out-wrestles Matt Brown for three rounds.
2: Yeah.
1: McGee opened at minus 164, is currently at minus 205, or 207 rather. Brown opened at plus 147, and is currently at... Plus 183. So odds are getting a little longer on that fight. And I can see it. It's just, like I say, it's just kind of the basic knee-jerk read. Mm-hmm. Now we get to a heavyweight fight that we've already broken down before. and uh, Oh, have we? Yeah, this fight got canceled a couple weeks ago and moved to this card.
2: Uh, it doesn't uh, look like it's gotten any uh, more difficult to call.
1: no. No, and uh, the fact that it was uh, scrapped on fight day for a medical issue with Sherman doesn't make me any more confident at all.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, I, ho- I hope he just had a cold or something. I mean,
1: yeah. Uh. I No matter what, like, this is just a. This, uh, Chase Sherman just doesn't look like he enjoys fighting anymore.
2: No, we've said it a dozen times. He just does not have a good time out there.
1: Yeah. And, like, the win he got over Vanderaar was just such a – like, you shouldn't be fighting with that weight on your shoulders. Right. Where getting a win is like, oh, God, thank – you know, he just was, like, elated and just being like, you know – I need to do more. And like fighting with that kind of pressure, just.
2: Yeah. It sucks. And desperately needed it to be fair. He had been fighting like pretty much all good fighters. I mean, the last fight he won, no surprise was against Ike Villanueva. Yeah. Uh, but then they put him in there against Waldo Cortez Acosta. Nobody's idea of a world beater, very much still a prospect, if anything. And he couldn't win that one either.
1: Yeah. The thing at this point has to be said with Chase Sherman is If people, if if his opponent has any obvious edge on him, he just doesn't, he's not going to win that fight. Pretty much. He's a high output heavyweight who is durable enough, but not durable, so durable that he can't be knocked out in a high out, in, in an absolute war. Yeah. And he doesn't have, he put his focus into developing his boxing game, which pretty much always means he has to be in a war because it's all about pocket fighting for him. Right. And it means like, there's still no emphasis on a wrestling game at all. There's Still no emphasis on a kicking game at all.
2: And I mean, I don't think he really, the idea of chase Sherman doing the classic MMA fighter thing of being like, Oh, I have to do more moves Like, that's not the problem. He's he's in there. He has a style which demands that he be in range to get hit, and he has absolutely zero defense. Zero. I
1: I think his defense has improved a little at times, but the problem (laughs) is that now he's at a stage where he doesn't enjoy it anymore. So his defense can be okay for a minute or two, and then once he starts getting hit, he starts getting hard on himself.
2: He has no defense when he's actually trying to win.
1: Yeah, he has no defense when he's actually trying
2: to win. Like, if he wants to put himself in range to actually throw punches, you can just yeah do anything. Yeah. It's uh, true. He he might go completely defensive these days, and 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 yeah, be harder to hit because he's literally not trying to win the fight anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah, Carl Williams, uh, to your point, is a fighter with a couple advantage, clear advantages over Chase Sherman.
1: Much more... He-
2: much faster. Yeah, he's super fast uh, for a guy his size. He's more than capable with his still uh, infant's boxing game of throwing very quick, straight, long punches. Yep. He's going to land jabs on Chase Sherman, no doubt. And besides the fact that he is that that rarity of rarities, a heavyweight who's actually pretty good at wrestling. Yeah. He can hit clean shot takedowns. He can wrestle in the clinch um he just shocks people with the speed of his level changes and his drive and there is no way Chase sherman is uh Sherman sherman's not like like a one shot knockout artist anyway like the, no, he just yeah. he's just going to get pushed out of the fight
1: he has to get into a brawl and win out with technique in the brawl yeah.
2: and and at this point i wouldn't even say that williams couldn't <laughs> maybe win that fight but he well, doesn't Ronald have to Cortez have that. costa
1: did Exactly. Like yeah. I say, if you have one edge on Sherman, that's enough. If if your only edge on Sherman is speed, that is enough to beat Chase Sherman because he is have he has to have a brawl and it's a brawl that even if he's more technical than you, he's going to make a 50-50 fight. Right. Where any amount of advantage to his opponent is going to remove his own ability, his own you know, advantage.
2: Yep. Williams, though, doesn't even have to have that fight with him.
1: No. No, he doesn't. He's
2: just going to take him down.
1: Yep. Feel bad for Chase, honestly. Yeah. You hate to see You know, like, fighting is a hard game, and it is an unforgiving sport, and it is a sport that requires a certain amount of delusion to get through. And it's a sport that even the best fighters out there, I'm happy to see them walk away from it. Mm -hmm. Usually it means somebody is at a point in their life where they can live a more balanced, healthy life Mm -hmm. in their own head, even of just being like, Hey, I don't need to be doing this anymore. You know, that's, that's a good place to be, to not feel like you need to get punched in the face anymore for a living. Sure. But Chase Sherman like so seeing somebody who doesn't seem like they like it or want to do it mm-hmm. out there still doing it it's just like you really you really feel like man yeah find anything else yeah cuz if you're not enjoying this you are you are taking all the wrong steps for your health
2: <laughs> yeah well i don't i don't know man Yeah, I don't know kind of sucks Sherman
1: is a big underdog no surprise opened at minus 315 jumped up to minus 346 and is currently back down at plus 326 Williams opened at minus 382 dropped down to minus 429 and is currently at minus 400 I just expect that line to get wider
2: Frankly, it, it honestly should.
1: Yeah. I brings this to a Bantamweight bout and a certified banger, a fight yep. that I'm actually excited for. Cody Stamen, Douglas Silva de Andrade. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, is, uh, go on. Obviously, you know, I love me some Douglas de Silva. Yeah, I've uh, been leading the fan. I've been leading that man's fan club for like, Eight years now.
2: And you pulled me in very early. A guy that yeah. I had not paid much attention to. And you're like, man, I love this dude. And then I watched his fights more closely, and I was like, oh, yeah. How can you not? <laughs> yeah, right? He's awesome. He's weird and janky, but shockingly crafty. He is insanely tough. Um, just in- mentally and physically, like, yeah, super, super resilient. And... um and, yeah, just like a weird, creative, power-punching maniac.
1: Yeah, the the, the kind of stuff that – it's so fun to see f- a fighter who is, A, a great athlete and, B, like, learned it all for
2: themselves. Exactly, yeah. On how to fight. He's not as good, but the fighter I, – I think I've made this comparison before. I compare him to – are you familiar with Azuma Nelson? Ah. Uh... You should not go watch Azuma it. Nelson sometime. He uh he you if you've heard of Salvador Sanchez, the boxer.
1: Barely. Oh my god.
2: Not even the I, Sun Kill Moon song.
1: <laughs> no,
2: no. Definitely <laughs> that, not.
1: Music is definitely not gonna help me preach this gap.
2: Sun Kill Moon, a band named after another boxer. Um Anyway, Salvador Sanchez, young legend, absolutely fantastic. Tragically, died at like 24 in a, in a car accident, I believe. Hmm. Um, bur- still bursting with potential. But while he was champion, this amazing boxer, he got like a short notice fight against this uh, dude from I think Ghana, Azuma Nelson, and no one had ever heard of him. The commentators like, yeah, this Nelson guy. They're like, it's one of those things where they're like mispronouncing his name. Nobody hmm. knows who he is. He's like 12 and 0. He gives Salvador Sanchez the fight of his life. And he is this weird, stocky little muscle bound, like twitchy tense fighter. Uh-huh. Like De Silva. <laughs> he just, you, you watch his Nelson, you'll see the comparison. And, and sure. that's what De Silva has is he's just like, yeah, he's like completely tense the entire time. It's like he throws a hook and his entire other half of his body has to rotate to compensate. Uh-huh. Um, but there's craft there. Like the jankiness of his technique throws you off from like how well he is picking his targets, how well he is putting these weird combinations together um, and combined with his athleticism that he can just fly across distance and shock the hell out of a lot of the, of other fighters. He is like a surprisingly well put together fighter, mm-hmm. but like a zoom and an all time. Great. Douglas Silva, Dandridge is not quite that level, but, that's the comparison that springs to mind. But I will also say, I I really have been liking what I've been seeing out of Cody Stamen too.
1: Yeah, Cody Stamen's a dude who really has. He has evolved in an, a very unexpected path. If we're talking about like you know, you look at Matt Brown and Court McGee as fighters who typify what you expect out of MMA evolution, which is they took the game they already had and they just refined it. Mm-hmm. more and more over the years Cody Stamen came in to the UFC as very much a wrestle boxer who wasn't
2: dangerous yeah that was... and, a, and a pretty negative fighter too like I think he sensed yeah. that he wasn't dangerous yeah um, and so he would try to mix it up on people and keep them confused uh, and then whenever he could just like take them out of the fight and hold them down you know, yeah. like he got that what should have been a miracle fight winning opportunity late against Song Yudong mm-hmm. and just couldn't convert that to an actual win. He spent the entire third round on top of him. But it's like, OK, you haven't done this for two of the three rounds. So how do you win? And he didn't yeah. know.
1: And, you know, you go back and you look at like his fights with Tom Dukamwa and Brian Caraway yeah. early in his U- UFC career. And you're like, you physically dominated these people. Yeah. And barely won these fights right that was just his thing was yep physical domination barely finding a way to victory
2: yeah terian ware too Terry and ware yep. gave him a shockingly difficult fight yep because he was just in there i don't think he was trying to coast i just think his yeah his game wasn't really fleshed out for dominating people as it seemed he sh- he maybe should have done with his physical gifts and, I mean, uh, he's also very short and stocky. I mean, that's yeah. a physical shortcoming as well. But,
1: and so then he hit—he uh, hit a wall mm-hmm. of setbacks, lost three straight fights. Yep. And it seems that what has come out the other side is a man
2: dedicated to
1: the to the modern MMA
2: meta. Yeah, he wants he, to put lots of punches on people.
1: Yeah, a guy who's just like you know what I'm—I've always been durable. I've always been tough. He's got you. I've always been stocky and strong. I am going to go out there and I'm going to get into the pocket and I'm going to become a pocket combination puncher
2: who dips in and out of range and who crushes people with left hooks to the body. That's yeah. my favorite thing about that Luan Lacerda fight. You just yeah. step in it and just ripping the dude to the liver with that left hook, countering. Yeah, and, and, and there's still, you know, like a lot of elements of Cody Stamen, like and that was a fight where he was against a kicker and yeah. he did pay for it a bit, but he also found an interesting way of fighting from long range and then just like dipping into the pocket with a sudden salvo and otherwise like forcing Lacerda to reset a lot. hmm Um Lacerda a solid fighter as well. I mean, that was a really good fight.
1: Yeah. And
2: but, oh, so yeah, Stamen's counter his higher output boxing, he, the way he's putting his combinations together and actually seizing moments to back Lacerda up. Um, he just looks a lot more, like, assertive and confident in his hands. And he's had, like, good boxing technique this whole time. Sure. He just hasn't been that aggressive with it. Yeah. I think uh, so that I really losing that.
1: streak just lit a fire under him.
2: 100%. You know? He really feels like, yeah, he came back mad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... Yeah, he's like putting that nice jab, that nice left hook, things he's always had. He's just putting them out there in combination a lot more aggressively. And just sort of the my favorite thing about that Lacerda fight was that, again, not an easy matchup. Uh-uh. And he just refused to be pushed out of it. That just sort of an attitude that I feel I haven't seen out of Cody Stamen very often before. Yeah,
1: usually when he's faced real physical threats in the past, yeah. he will just drift,
2: drift back. Yeah, he just like soaked up what he had to soak up and responded with the aggression that was necessary to to actually command a fight against a younger and very aggressive opponent. Yeah, good good showing. Um, I, I don't really know what to make of this matchup. I mean, I, I really like both of these guys. Stamen has really ignited my interest. Of course, I love, love Douglas de Silva. Hmm. Um. I don't know. We're going to have some fun exchanges. Yeah. I'm not 100% sure how to pick it.
1: I I think the big thing I have to pick is on the, I, I have to pick on the back of Stamen's durability mm-hmm. because that has been win or lose. That has, that has carried him through a lot.
2: That's true. He has never been knocked out. Has he?
1: He has never been knocked out. He's been submitted twice. Never yeah. knocked out.
2: Wow. 27 fight career. Never been knocked out.
1: Yep. And he is really just insanely tough, like I said, I think that's kind of the thing maybe that this losing streak got to got into his head. It's just like i you know I've got the chin why am i why am I drifting out of these fights yeah why why am I not trusting myself to go out there and fight aggressively?
2: He strikes me as a guy who has like all round durability too, yeah,' just like Lacerda hit him with a shitload of body kicks and low kicks that had. Clean hard kicks that had no discernible effect. Yeah. He's just a tank.
1: He is. And if given that, like Da Silva is very much a live by the sword, die by the sword kind of dude. Absolutely. Like he he will not put himself in he will put himself in consistent positions of danger. And he will not throw a ton of offense while doing it, and so it kind of means he leans on: can I hurt you a lot, or am I going to get hurt, or am I going to get outworked in the process? And in this case, like I have to lean on Cody Staman not getting hurt. If he can, if he can fight fearlessly, I think he can outwork Douglas De Silva. If he can't fight fearlessly, if he if De Silva can put a scare into him, mm-hmm. then De Silva's you know, he's one great decision. He beat, he beat Marlon Vera by a decision. Yeah. Uh, if you if you go away from Douglas De Silva, he will stay on you, and he will stay, you know, he will keep hitting you with hard stuff. He'll keep coming forward. He'll keep making, you know, the fight difficult and being janky and being offbeat and all that. But... He can also get he can also get pushed out of a fight via pace. yeah. And I think the the current version of Cody Stamen is is capable of that so I'm gonna bank on it. but I like the fight a lot because yeah, Douglas De Silva is always dangerous mm-hmm. always. And what Cody me- Stamen is not he's never been dangerous. Even yeah. the current version of Cody Stamen, who is better and more interesting and harder hitting than ever, mm-hmm. he's still like that one TKO over a thoroughly washed Eddie Wineland. Right, is his first finish since Zach Church in
2: 2017. Yeah, I mean, I think he 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 strikes me as a guy who, you know, like old school Drew Dober. Yeah, he could be turning. The he Drudeau. probably hits plenty hard to be putting put, turning people's lights off.
1: Yeah, it, th- we may be on the cusp of the Drew Doe return. Like yeah. he, 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 shit, he looks like the you know, like they have the same kind of build.
2: They have, <laughs> yeah, a, they really do. It's we right there. Giant chins, extremely thick, broad backs and shoulders. Yeah, powerful little stumpy legs. Hmm. Um. And they both spend most of their careers just sort of bouncing around on tiptoe, and then there comes a point where they're like, "What if I stand in front of the dude and crush him?" Yeah. Um. The w- one thing I will say is I I do think there are still some hitches in the Cody Stamen transformation process. Like sure. Uh, again, he had to. It seemed he had to like keep sort of reminding himself to keep winning against Leon yeah. Lacerda. That was a very close fight where. There were long stretches where, yeah, Lacerda was just more insistent on coming forward. Uh, there came a point where he just was like, You're not going to back me up. I'm going to march you down and fire huge kicks at you. And there were moments, too, where Stamen was like on a roll. He was in his face. He was putting two, three body shots in a row on him, uh, ending with a shot upstairs. He would do that, like, you know, four of these little exchanges, and then just kind of stand there, like, Okay, you, now you. Now, you like he's, he's not a pressure fighter naturally. Uh-huh. Um, so, the idea that he's just gonna like roll over Douglas Da Silva with pace doesn't entirely convince me. Douglas Da Silva is gonna fire back, he's gonna fire back like a crazy man. Um, he is also gonna sling vicious shots to the body. He is going to rip huge swinging left hooks at Cody Stamen, and Stamen, I, I think, is still prone to kind of letting a wild man like that back into the fight at times. Mm-hmm. I think it's uh, a very tough test, basically, of the new Cody Stamen game.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that. I-, I just think that Douglas De Silva, he's also he's not a. Um... I don't think he has the form to be a volume striker.
2: No, he doesn't. He doesn't. He he puts maximum power into everything and throws himself off balance doing it.
1: Yeah, and so his ability to, like, he might be, you know, I think for Stamen, he would really have to claw his, he would have to be unwilling to engage for very long stretches. You know, I think he he would have to really get scared off by Andrade, because Andrade is not going to take over the fight for long stretches so much as be the more powerful guy in a bunch of 50, 50 exchanges. If Damon right. settles for just going 50, 50 with him.
2: Right. And when, it, when it is a fight where things like start off poorly for Da Silva, as it seems they might hear, and he comes back to win, it is usually the opponent collapsing. Yeah. Not exactly. just sort of giving him a window. And then he's, he has he kind of, for all the excitement, uh, uh, you know uh, and toughness that he has displayed he is kind of a fighter who's either winning or not
1: yeah yeah
2: you know what i mean like th- there's a lot of fights where you're like oh he's being douglas da silva but he wasn't like winning this right away and so he's not going to get himself into it
1: yeah i mean it's like i say it's a, it's a fighter who has taught himself to yeah. fight, and so there's you know there are just big gaps of in everything in yeah. in all of the different like how You know, I was doing my thing and it's not working. How do I do something else? There's not, you know. Yeah. Douglas De Silva does his thing.
2: He's he's, he's just not a very um, strategic fighter, shall we
1: say. Yeah. Yeah.
2: He's not going to like find one little opening and then leverage that into like this expanding comeback game. He's not a systematic fighter in that way. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think he is gonna try to he's gonna have to push back on Cody Stamen. And based on his last fight, uh, I have more faith than I would have ever had before that uh Stamen is gonna be put in a position where he has to either respond or lose, and I think he's gonna respond. Yeah. I think he's gonna slip and fire back. His counter punching looked great, and Douglas de Silva, Lord knows, uh the way he throws his punches is just wide open for counters. I think this is a very interesting matchup and uh, looks like a good uh, next step for uh, the newer, meaner Cody Stamen.
1: Yeah. I like this fight a lot. Shame my other guy has to lose, but, you know. Yeah. Uh, Silva opened at plus 104 and is currently at plus 140. Stamen opened at minus 140 and is currently at minus 175. So, uh, Those odds getting a little longer in Stamen's direction. I. You know, don't get him too long. Nope. Saman is, he is a good rock solid middle of the division kind of stalwart, but he's very capable of just kind of not putting a stamp on a fight at all.
2: Yeah. You know? Yeah. He's going to let Douglas to Silva run him backwards. And like those, those old instincts are still in there.
1: Yeah. All right. lightweight bout, Natan Levy, Pete Rodriguez, and w- which far too limited lightweight is going to get his uniquely limited game going? <laughs> uh, I mean, because like, you know, Natan Levy, he's got this, is it karate? I can never remember.
2: I mean, yeah, I know- it's something like that. His tapology photo is really stupid. Yeah. It's got pant, karate pants and the belt, which looks like it was like... Yeah, karate and kung fu. Which looks like it was, like, uh, weathered in one of those, like, Taiwanese sweatshops where, like, a guy breathes in black belt dust all day. Yeah, yeah. Just, like, t- to making tailor-made, uh, weather-worn black belts. Yeah.
1: De-stressed, acid-washed black belt. Exactly, exactly.
2: <laughs> That's what it looks like.
1: Yeah. Um... And, yeah, Livy has, he's the kind of fighter who, he's a good athlete. It's very clear. He is a very natural, fast, strong athlete. And he's basically just been channeled into a bunch of bullshit. Yes. That being a good athlete has allowed him to make work. And I think the Valdez fight is a sign that he's slowly trying to work his way out of that. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, one of the big things in the Valdez fight was he just had, like, his left hand glued to his chin and then, you know, was, was like, countering in combination when he had the opportunity. Mm-hmm. But there's also just still a lot of, like, spinning back kicks and one lunging strike that leaves him set straight in the pocket or mm-hmm. backing straight up online when his opponent comes forward. Stuff that is, and and his head is, you know, there's a rod that goes straight down his spine to the base of his ass, basically. (laughs) And just his torso does not, nothing in his head torso area moves at all. No. Very, uh, very Gregory Rodriguez, but at lightweight... And without quite the uh the the depth of punching
2: form. Certainly not. How dare you even make that comparison? <laughs> Gregory Rodriguez moves
1: his head. He does. He does. He,
2: he just, just gets plonked when he's mid combination usually. Yeah, but he yeah. slips and counters yeah. and stuff like that. It's, it's true. It's come on. But there's there's a lot of
1: potential for 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 Levy to improve. He's he's a good athlete. Like I said, like there's a lot of potential to break to break him down and build him back up. But it,
2: mm-hmm.
1: there's a lot in there to break down, it feels like. And his successes mostly come with people who just can't compete with him athletically. And yeah. they can't make him pay for his mistakes. And uh Pete Rod- Rodriguez got rushed because the UFC needed somebody on no notice to fight Jack Della Maddalena <laughs> and he signed up. And otherwise, he reminds me, um, he kind of feels like a a Mike Perry who started out with better fundamentals. Mm -hmm. Where like, yeah, he's there to brawl, but he's got some nice nifty counters and he is aware of his jab. And he is trying to learn and trying to kind of put all this stuff together.
2: Mike Perry, but his his parents loved him.
1: Yeah, maybe, maybe. I mean, it's MMA. Let's not go too far.
2: That's true. You don't get a neck tattoo. You don't get a neck tattoo like that. If your parents love you. Mike Perry, but his parents tolerated him. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Let (laughs) him
1: stay in the house after he turned 16.
2: Oh, that's a nice tattoo, sweetie.
1: Um, (laughs) <laughs> but like he's got real power in his hands and mm-hmm. much like Mike Perry when he first came to the UFC a lot of natural timing and a natural feel for fighting
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, he got totally shown up by uh, uh, Della Madalena at his own game because Della Madalena's just had a lot more experience and a lot more high-end training, doing the same things that Rodriguez wants to do. Yeah. Um, But he still landed some shots in that. He was still standing in and, you know, trying to do his thing. And then you saw him in the next fight against uh, Mike Jackson, somebody who is just not even close to the level of athlete that should be competing at this level.
2: Yeah. I mean, an utterly meaningless matchup, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, but at least, I mean, I always think... It's kind of, it's, it's too bad that it, it, in some ways, I mean, it's good that it doesn't happen more often, but for my purposes and scouting purposes, it's almost too bad that we don't get to see more fighters in totally one-sided fights because they show you exactly what the fighter is preparing to do and want and, and training to do
2: and thinks they can do. That's true. And it is the very basic test of if you have it all your way. Yeah, what do you Can do? you can you get this dude the hell out of there?
1: And when Certain, he has it all, certainly. Way,
2: yeah. Pete Rodriguez is fucking violent. Yeah.
1: Like, the game that dude wants to play is a bullish, violent, pocket counter game. Yeah. That is scary. <sighs> so. The question is, does he get to play that game with Natan Levy? Because if he does, uh, you know, I think he can knock Natan Levy out. Yeah. And if Levy is capable of confusing him enough at range and of staying clear of the pocket enough, then Levy can probably outpoint Pete Rodriguez because the game is still just so simple. And so tuned to one kind of offense. But I'm going to pick Rodriguez here. Because the the thing with Levy is. We've seen Levy against lesser competition. Yeah. And. It's almost all. It's almost all decisions. Yeah. And a few submissions.
2: He's still to this point not exactly clear what it is he's supposed to be doing. There is not a. single-minded kind of process even in fights where as you said before like the ones he's winning are ones where he really does just kind of get it all his way like yeah the 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 reason he's winning them is largely that his opponent cannot compete with him
1: yeah like he had a hard back and forth at times fight with Gennaro valdez where he was just clearly way more athletic than valdez and could land all the bigger shots while Valdez tried to stand what would try to like come forward and battle back with him. Right. And um, I think Pete Rodriguez can hit hard enough and is consistent enough with what he wants to do in the pocket that he can, he can maybe clean Levy's clock.
2: Yeah, so, and I think, I think the other thing is uh, he's probably going to end up pressuring Levy. I mean, that's yeah. big question. That's something that a lot of these other guys can't figure out a way to do. They're like, oh, this guy wants to kick me. I should stay really far away so yeah. he can kick me. Um, yeah, as far as I can tell, Levy is a guy who... Um, is just designed to be crowded and pushed around. He tends yep. to back up in straight lines. He's really, really dependent on his kicks. His defense is a complete mess when he is put on the back foot. Um, And yeah, Rodriguez is like, he moves forward very quickly when he decides to burst. Mm-hmm. And he does it mostly with like pretty solid straight punches. Yeah. One, like, one, two, uh, you know, uh, like.
1: I really do think like Rodriguez, it's just a case of, you got you got too much too soon, but the baseline for being a very good fighter with time and yeah. work is right there.
2: Yeah. Oh, it doesn't mean anything that he lost to Madalena. That's, no. Yeah, of course that happened, right? Yeah. Um
1: and it doesn't mean anything that he beat Mike Jackson either, but I like what I see fundament I like like I say, the way he lost to Madalena was a fighter you know, stepping into the pocket to play a pocket boxing game and finding somebody who just had longer combinations and smoother release
2: and a more yeah. natural technique than he is exactly what he wanted him to do. Yeah. That's not what fight, Levy's going to want him to do.
1: Yeah, And then the fight with Mike Jackson, at the very least, you're seeing that game again, but he's, you know, you're seeing what it looks like when he gets to do it his way And it looks good and violent, you know, Mm -hmm. it looks the way it should against somebody who can't compete with him there. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, like I said, uh, honestly, I feel like I learned more about watching fight uh, more about fighters to know them and what they're capable of in the two fights that somebody like Pete Rodriguez has had in the UFC than in like Cody Stamens case where we got to watch him in a lot of, like, close scrapes against very good opponents for a long mm-hmm. time. Like, mm-hmm. watching a dude get his ass utterly beat and watching a, him then go beat somebody's <laughs> ass, it tells you what all their flaws are and what all their strengths are right away. It's it's kind of a, a cheat sheet almost.
2: I suppose so, yeah. Anyway, yeah, Pete Rodriguez looks solid. Yeah, He looks strong. He looks powerful. He's fast. And uh, his basic boxing technique is pretty good, so... Yeah, um, I have. Then again, I mean, I have picked Natan Levy. I hate Levy's game and I have yep. biasedly picked against him multiple times and been proven wrong. Yeah, he, I tend he's... to have picked him, I, I think. OK, for the well, part. then you make me feel better about uh, desperately wanting Rodriguez to win here.
1: Yeah, and it could just be, too, that, you know, Rodriguez will wait in and Levy will just hit a double leg and take him off his feet and take his back and choke him out because, yeah, Rodriguez's game is so lacking in well-roundedness that Levy and Levy is a good enough athlete that he can just, you know, make up, make up the balance with weirdness and with unexpected technique. Yeah. But I, I don't see enough of that out of, you know, Levy's just, he's had too many decisions where he doesn't, you know, he, he, he has too many fights where he doesn't dominate, the way it seems
2: like he should. No, it's just really awkward. He has to think about everything he does. Yeah. And
1: Pete Rodriguez has never thought a day in his life.
2: No.
1: This man's not thinking.
2: Thinking's <laughs> for losers. Thinking's for guys who don't have neck tattoos.
1: That's right. Pussies. Uh,
2: <laughs> in other words.
1: Yeah. Levy is a heavy favorite here Open at minus 270 Currently minus 240 Rodriguez Opened at plus 233 Is currently down at plus 209 I think Those odds are wide Like R-Rodri- If nothing else Rodriguez is a dude who's finished Every fight he's won And Levy is a dude Who finishes almost none of the fights He's in I don't know I know that that's not
2: like a good thing. No, no, that that's, I don't know why the odds are so wide. Yeah. But, but again, like I just get this feeling with Levy that he just keeps winning these fights. He he does. He sucks though. I don't know. He's going to win again, isn't he? I hope not. (laughs) Me too. But is that why I'm picking against him?
1: For me, it's, I'm just thinking like Levy will let him into the pocket. And, uh,
2: no, but you're just better at lying to yourself than
1: me. I know I am. I know.
2: <laughs> you're like, no, for me, it's actually all of these rational reasons. Yeah. I guess uh, eh? that's called rationalization.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: No, I'm... <laughs> <laughs> There's probably some super clear idea why Levy is going to win this fight that we're just not acknowledging. But I I don't know. He yeah. sucks. His style is annoying. Whatever.
1: Yeah. <laughs> we have this problem actually fairly often that there are fighters. Yeah, with. Of course.
2: Like, <laughs> yes.
1: You know, we just hate their game at a base level. Yeah. And then, you know, it's
2: well, obviously that means it's bad.
1: That means it must be bad. Yeah. And uh, then they just go out and they win. And suddenly we are, uh, you know, we're talking about Kyle Bahio choking out Michael. Oksajic yeah. And we just hate, like Kyle Bahio is a you know might be a pretty good comparison for Natan Levy, frankly. But he's he's a more he, he's a more d- definite shot wrestler though, and like yeah, gra- grappling artist. Where Levy, it's just such a catch-all. So, but it is the same kind of thing where it's just like I hate these kinds of games where somebody's just like plunking one shot every three minutes. That's like some weird athletic acrobatic thing pulled out of thin air. And then you're just like, what?
2: Why? It's weird. There's a bunch of guys who like don't have karate backgrounds who do what we think of as karate striking in MMA, like Henry Cejudo. Yeah. I think like Kyle Bajayu. I don't know what his background is. And then there's guys who actually come from like competitive karate, like Natan Levy or um, light heavyweights. Well, who's light heavyweights most improved. We watched uh, Just fight on the Depressed Us. He did all the low kicks against William Knight.
1: Oh, God. Uh, Mar- Proc-
2: Proc- Proc- yeah, Prochnio. Yeah. Proc- These are actual karate guys, and they both have remarkably similar MMA striking games where they're like weird and awkward and hunched over, and they throw a lot of very peculiar low kicks. Yeah. Low kicks that do not look like Thai-style low kicks. No. These weird extended um, form that MMA. is what like actual karate guys do when you put them in MMA. <laughs> they like hunch their shoulders and kick.
1: Yeah, I kind of feel like karate <laughs> combat has done more to disgrace the art form than anything <laughs> uh, in all the years prior. Yeah.
2: And, anyway, <laughs> it's
1: just it's just a, a like every every show is a twenty minute highlight of guys not seeing a left hook.
2: Yeah, a bunch all of right. yeah masterful. Martial artists to take themselves very seriously getting into a fist fight and just winging stupid bombs at each other the whole time. Oh, this is karate, I guess. Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) All right. Woman's flyweight bout. Another one we've broken down before G on Kim, Mandy Baum. And, um, I thought this one sounded
2: familiar. Yeah. I'm pretty sure we picked G on Kim and I am not going to, uh, alter that course
1: yeah no need to belabor that point Bomb is just
2: she's just too slow really and she just doesn't know what she's supposed to be doing like she yeah came, she came in with like a bunch of swagger and then just had it beaten out of her over the course of one fight yeah and now she just looks unconfident yep and she's... kim has
1: also had a bunch of swagger coming in and has had it beaten out of her several times and it's still you know what? She's just right there grinding no, on all. She's had it
2: beaten kids. into her. Yeah. yeah. like it, 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 it's, There's no getting rid of it. She's. Yep. She will have a 50 50 exchanging punches in the pocket fight with absolutely everyone seemingly irrespective of level. Yep. She fights both up and down to the level of her of her competition. Yep. But that is not a fight in which Mandy boom is going to be comfortable.
1: Doesn't seem that way. It'll be nice to see Ji Young Kim get get a win back. She's been on a she's been on a slide lately, and this feels like a very yeah. uh, a nice gift to give her a, uh, you know, to keep her around in the UFC. Yeah. All right. Uh, odds on that fight, Ji Young Kim is the favorite. Opened at minus two forty four. Is currently minus one ninety eight. Bohm opened at plus 212, currently down at plus 175. And that brings us to a welterweight bout, Brian Battle versus Gabe Green.
2: Another one of our guys.
1: Yep. Another one of our guys against a fighter that uh, really just, you know, once again, I feel for it just because, like, tough doesn't prepare fighters for anything. Mm-hmm. And it's not getting a good level of fighter anymore. It's getting very young, green fighters that where it used to get a lot of, you know, vets and in-between levels of talent and, like, kind of all-around tests. It feels more and more like tough these days is just getting the rawest recruits in the MMA world.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And... Yeah, like Brian Battle came out of tough and he beat a couple of other very raw fighters and Takashi Sato, who is just very limited. And then he met one wrestler who just wrecked his whole day.
2: Yep. And
1: Green isn't a wrestler, but I don't really know that... There's anything in Brian Battle's toolkit that has him well prepared for Gabe Green?
2: No, there's just sort of a broader idea that Brian Battle comes into his fights without a plan. Yeah, and he basically relies on like, oh, I'm going to get hit a bunch of times, mm-hmm. and think crazy stuff is going to happen, and then I'm still going to be there. Yep, that is always been the figure problem. it out. Okay. And so it just seems like yeah, whether it's Dinov with the wrestling. Or Gabe Green with the relentless pressure-striking game, that um, somebody who has a super-concrete and, like, forcing style of fighting is going to be in the driver's seat immediately. Mm Mm-hmm. And that that Brian Battle is going to have to, if anything, battle his way back into it. (sighs) And now, uh, it's impossible to avoid the puns. It's a word we use all the time. But the, the, the worst part of it is,
1: it is a word that it, it, it's impossible to avoid the puns for everyone seemingly except Brian Battle. <laughs> <laughs> because his nickname is The Butcher. Yeah. Which, A, there's never been a fighter whose nickname is The Butcher that feels less like a butcher than Brian Battle. Yeah. Like...
2: He went for the alliteration. I mean, that's more effort than a lot of fighters give, I suppose. But yeah, but, dude, come on, play off that last name. It should be you yeah. should be you know for the Narnia fans. It should be Brian the Last Battle. Sure. You know, come on.
1: Or yeah,
2: shout or, out C.S. Lewis. Come on, buddy. Something just you. It's battle. Your last name is battle. Uh, Brian bred for battle. You know. Yeah. Uh, or uh, born to battle, or. Yeah you know something you, you can still do the alliteration yeah yeah make it a make a phrase out of it you've got we're in you
1: could do like you, you yeah. know yeah something you know There 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 is there are so many opportunities and the butcher is the worst of them <laughs> <laughs> really especially just because it's such a like generic it, it might as well be pitbull
2: I think he should have a two-part, a split nickname for the Master and Commander fans out there. Brian, Oceans Are Now, (laughs) Battlefields. You know, has anyone ever done that? A two-part split nickname? (laughs) That would be great. Come on.
1: Come on, Brian.
2: (laughs) Brian, Jesus Christ.
1: Up the game. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, it's just... With battle, it it feels like his his style is not, uh yeah, it's just not it's not honed into anything. And tough didn't do that either. It's a very like I'm gonna go out. I'm gonna kind of be on my bike. I'm gonna throw a lot of kicks. I'll clinch up, and we'll just get the make the fight messy and aggressive. And I'll trade in the pocket if I need to. And the clinch will always be there for my release valve. And you'll get tired, and I'll stay aggressive. Yeah, and. Yeah, as you as you said, like a fighter like Gabe Green, who is just all about constant pressure and output and setting a pace that fighters can't match. Or Renat Fekutinov, uh, who's just all about constant wrestling and things like that. Somebody who's all about constant creation and tirelessness mm-hmm. are going to find
2: constant opportunity. Someone who seizes the initiative.
1: Yeah. So maybe maybe battle will you know find his path through all this, but I don't know what the path is yeah. right now. I don't know what kind of fight he is looking to create, other than scramble, yeah. Other than a, a fight, and that just doesn't,
2: yeah, doesn't cut it. Just Especially going out basically. there, it's it's not 2005. Like just going out there and scrapping with anyone yeah. is not a is not a, a a reliable path to victory.
1: We re- we all realize it got Forrest Griffin to a UFC championship, but yeah, the that game kind of died when he retired. You know, it was there. a
2: long time ago, and it was light heavyweight, dude. You know, yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, green is the favorite here. Opened at minus 120 or so, and is currently at minus 127 after jumping up and down a little. Battle opened at minus 103, jumped up to plus 123, and has basically stayed there. So, that brings us to our final fight of the prelims. Jessica Rose Clark, Tainara Lizboa, mm. <laughs> and the ultimate ultimate question, did the UFC once again find a fighter so entirely undangerous that Jessica Rose Clark can beat them?
2: Yeah. I mean, you want to talk about somebody who's got the yips. Yeah. Uh, And Jessica Rose Clark has been, yeah, she's been open about it. I mean, she's got, she went to a sports psychologist. She's just like Clearly, she, um, you know, is, is like well-trained for these fights. She comes in with a plan and then just like everything goes out the window. Literally, you know, I scouted Stephanie Egger for her team. No. Do you, do you think it was a mystery that she had no reason to be in there just allowing Eger to clinch with her? Yeah. Do you think that she I, she knew that? that wasn't yep. her plan. She just went in there and did it immediately. <laughs> she just, like, is, I think, just, like, freaking out silently yeah, she, in her she, fights. She
1: is, I, I hadn't really thought about it until just now, but she is really in that Chase Sherman zone. She doesn't, yeah. show the, she doesn't show the hatred of fighting so much as Chase Sherman seems to in his fights, Yeah, but it's the very similar, like, does your opponent have one thing they do enough wh- well? that they can take away from you. If they do, they can probably beat you. And the clear, and there's also just the clear frustration that you can see from her every time something goes wrong. Yeah. That she is mad at herself for what she's doing in the fight. uh... There's not, there's not the withdrawing hatred of it that Chase Sherman has, but the other parts are right there.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't like Chase Sherman in like a depression state, just like drinking himself silly after he got caught the first time?
1: I don't know if he was drinking himself silly or not, but he went totally broke and had a whole bunch of problems. Okay.
2: Yeah. yeah. I know Jessica Rose Clark is a recovering alcoholic. This is obviously harebrained armchair psychology. I'm like, is there something in these people's brains that's just like, I, I, I don't know, self defeating? Self defeating, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyway, that's Jessica Rose Clark's problem. She's much, much, much better than Tainara Lisboa. Yeah. Who was just not impressive as a fighter.
1: Yeah. She she actually, (laughs) Lisboa looks like she could be pretty impressive as an athlete. Maybe. But she reminds me a lot of Haley Cowan. Yeah. You recently looked at where you're like, oh, yeah, you're kind of a physical specimen. Let's watch you fight. Oh. Oh. (laughs) <laughs> yeah you you don't do anything
2: yeah she is she is very very formless and, and you can see why because her technique is bad like yeah when she did when she is forced to do something she swings super wide punches she usually gets hit in the middle of her combinations she's really easy to take down like this could easily be one of those fights where jessica rose clark just like panics her way into a wrestling game plan yeah and uh and it, it would probably work i mean i'm gonna pick jessica
1: yeah, I think I have to, too. And I think that, honestly, the the panic into wrestling is why. Yeah, because honestly, yeah. It was good enough for Clark to beat Jocelyn Edwards.
2: Mm-hmm. In a terrible fight, but a, a certainly an uncontestable win.
1: And uh, Liz Boa, with that 5-2 and two record, like you look at the people that she's beating.
2: Yeah. They're they're nobodies.
1: There is one win in all of her victories of the fighters she fought at the time she fought them. Three fighters were making their debut. Yep. Yeah. One had one loss, and another was one and four. And the one and four fight is the fight that got her to the UFC. Yeah. I am entirely unclear as to why. Uh let me see. Damas013. Um yeah it's not even like there's a camp connection here that would be like yeah. you know it's not like she's under the like team pit bull or something like that that would be uh y- you know one of those camps where the ufc they they somebody who knows you know Maynard or sean shelby will go to them and be like oh i've got a great fighter for you to sign and hand them somebody that they're not otherwise interested in that happens reasonably often there's not even that connection who knows i think it's just literally the ufc is getting to that stage that they should have got to a long time ago which is just signed some fucking bantam weights yes yeah, probably you have this division just sign people to fight in it but um with boa just needs a lot of work she needs a lot of time the the potential physicality is there but None of the rest of the game is, and it's not physicality alone that beats Jessica Rose Clark. It is usually having one skill. Yeah. It beats her. Cause you know, she beat Paige Van Zandt, a fine athlete. Jocelyn mm-hmm. Edwards is a fine athlete.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, you know, she, she has beat fine athletes over her career, but it's, Fighters who can do one thing, and I don't know that Tainara Ty- 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 Lisboa has a
2: thing she can do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, she should. I mean, yeah, this would be serious to like, you know, for your own good, consider changing careers if you're not going to beat Tainara Lisboa. Yeah, I mean, already just getting losing to like the literally the only thing you, Julia Stoliarenko can do. Yeah instantly that is like a you know and i'm not making fun of her like i think she's going through it jessica rose clark and yeah uh, and that can't be a fun experience to just like yeah just immediately walk into the only way you lose a fight immediately two times in a row yep um so critical mass of self-defeatism and and this this is the like to me feels like the last chance to uh, to step off that path.
1: Yeah, no kidding. Clark is the underdog. Wow. Opened at minus 195 and has shot up in the last couple of days. So actually kind of a wild swing from uh, minus 180 or 90 or so to plus 107. And uh, Tynara Lisboa opened at plus 173 and has just absolutely swung the other way down to minus one eighteen in the past couple of days. So it looks like somebody came in and placed a rather large bet on uh Liz Boa.
2: Well those uh those people have uh, definitely picked correctly in the last few weeks. Yeah the thirty five K dropped on Phil Halls. Beautiful. Great idea. Yeah. So I wouldn't well, take too, too much away from that line if it's no. one idiot just losing money they can afford to lose.
1: Yeah. On that note, though, that wraps up the non-substack portion of our podcast. If you're not a subscriber, we have bonus content coming for exclusively for paying subscribers on Substack. So you should sign up, get with it, and uh, join us on that. And otherwise, you can find me on Twitter at TheeZaneSimon and find Connor on Twitter at Boxing Bush. We'll be back in just a moment.
0: To access the bonus content of this show, you must be a paid subscriber. To do that, go to bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com and subscribe today. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Podcast Network production. Subscribe at bloodyelbopodcast.substack.com. Give us your email and receive notifications when your favorite shows drop straight into your inbox. We're also found on a wide variety of podcast outlets, including SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audible, iHeartRadio, SiriusXM, Pandora, TuneIn Radio, Overcast, Google Podcasts, MusicBee, RSS Radio, imdb and now also found in your app store on apps such as downcast the podcast app eye catcher pod bean and more just search for bloody elbow podcast and you will get brand new shows throughout the week including the care don't care podcast the level change podcast the hey not the face podcast the mma vivisection main card and prelims ufc preview shows the sixth round post fight show Crookland's corner The 6th Round Retro, The Show Money Podcast, The MMA Depressed Us, Exclusive Fighter Interviews, and The Return of the MMA Bunker.